sounds good right now after what we just experienced, doesn't it? <laughs> So good to have you here this morning. How's everybody feeling? Let me hear it. Summertime. We're going to beat the heat. We're going to beat the heat. Glory to God. Hey, I want to echo what Pastor Troy just said. I just, I, I feel like I got to jump on the party and thank everyone who served last week at the Summer Blast and the teams that absolutely crushed Serve Day. And I especially want to thank our creative team that uh, stayed up late last night editing film so that you could see a little recap of what God did. So go ahead, guys. Let's hit that recap video from yesterday. What's going on? We're just here at uh, some townhome projects. Uh, a couple of our teams are here serving today, which is so great. Um, here to support the Tri-Cities Friends of Refugees, which is actually uh, an organization that renovates homes uh, in the area to bring refugee families in, gives them a safe, uh, secure place to live. Here we're hanging doors, cleaning walls, doing deep clean. Uh, we're doing some new cabinets, and yeah, it's going to be a great day. time let's just celebrate what God did yesterday so awesome that we get to be a part of it I'm so proud of you church love that you're an amazing church and we get to be a part of what God is doing in our city and just reflect his life that's already shining in us I'm so excited about that today I want to speak to you as Pastor Troy said week number two of our staycation series I want to talk to you about a responsibility I believe God has put on us as a church how many of you, you've had someone speak something over your life before you believed it about yourself. Like you had someone just, just calling out the champion in you before you believed it about yourself. Maybe they said that you were beautiful, but you just, you didn't really quite believe that you were beautiful. Maybe they said, I love you, and you didn't really feel lovable. Or maybe it was the flip. Maybe it was the opposite of that. Maybe you felt beautiful, but they weren't really able to speak that about you. Or maybe you felt lovable, but they were never able to say those words, I love you. This morning, I want to talk about, about cultivating our ability to speak those words over people, to call out the champion in other people, as well as our ability to hear and receive those words from other people. So when I was a teenager, I attended 
Calvary Pentecostal Church in Cambridge, Ontario. And my longtime best friend is on the front row today visiting in church. He, like, we met then, and, uh, and so he, he can attest to what I'm about to tell you. We had a youth pastor. His name was Al Derry. Come on, I don't, you don't even know Al. <laughs> Al, I'm going to tell you some great things about Al, but I first want you to be able to visualize Al. Al had a mullet. Everyone remember what a mullet was? 80s? Yeah, you remember? Short in the front, long in the back. Part, uh, what is it? Is it... Uh, Business in the front, party in the back. That's right. Al had already lost his hair on the top of his head, so Al had what you would call a skullet. He had nothing here, but he could still grow it up. He could do that. Now, I want you to know how much Al influenced my life in important, meaningful ways, but first of all, you need to understand, he influenced my life so much, I grew a mullet. And I had, like, my hair is wavy when it kind of of fleshes out, and so... uh, and, so, and it was more blonde then. And so I had a blonde, curly-haired, Afro mullet. And it just, it, it was beautiful. And so Al influenced my life in a lot of ways. But Al, I want to tell you, it wasn't, for me, it wasn't that Al spoke great messages. Al could preach, but a lot of people can preach great messages. And it wasn't the events that our youth group put on. They were good events, but they didn't change my life. What changed my life was that Al spoke and believed things about me before I believed them about myself. So when I was 13 years old, Al invited me out, and Eric was there as well, to a small group called For Leaders Only. And I was the furthest thing from a leader. But I showed up to this 8 a.m. Saturday youth small group, and Al started to talk to me like I was a leader. I'm like, I, I am a punk. I don't know who you're talking about, but I'm a 13-year-old punk. But he started to call out the leader in my life. In fact, a number of years later, when I would come out to British Columbia to attend Simon Fraser University, I remember he phoned me up, and we'd gone different ways in our lives, we were living in different cities, but he phoned me up, and he said, hey, I just want to, before you move out to BC, I just want to speak over your life, I want you to know that you're going to do great things for the kingdom of God. And I believe it so much that Esther and I, we're going to give you a check for $500 for school. This is a youth pastor. I was going to business school, right? I was off to make me some money. The youth pastor is writing me a check telling me, I'm like, I'm off to do business. And he's telling me, you're going to influence the kingdom of God. He's believing things about me before I believe them about myself. In fact, last year before we we launched Resonate Church, uh, Rachel and I had the opportunity to go for coffee with Al and Esther, and they, they still were just speaking life over us. We love you. We believe in you. They gave us a check for $2,500, so before we started the church, before you even showed up, they believed in you. They were investing in you. He spoke things over my life before I believed them about myself, and what is amazing to me is that's the God we see in the Bible. All throughout the Bible... God is calling the champion out in people before they see it in themselves. In fact, God is speaking to people like they're here while they're still living down here. And we see this in a story of a man named Gideon in the Old Testament in Judges chapter 6. Now here's the context. The nation of Israel, they're going through a rough time. It's a low point in their history. They've actually walked away from God. They're not, they're not serving God heart and soul. As a result, they find themselves in this place of deficit in many areas of their life, spiritually, but also physically, because when harvest time comes around every year, the enemies of Israel swarm in and take all the crops. And so they find themselves hiding out in fear. And this is where we pick up the story, and we read about Gideon. And the Bible tells us this 
about Gideon. Here's the story of the calling of Gideon, verse 11 of Judges, chapter 6. It says, Now the angel of the Lord came, sat under the terebinth tree at Oprah, which belonged to Joash the Abezrite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press. Just say that with me. Wheat in the wine press. To hide it from the Midianites. Now notice there's something weird going on here. There's wheat in a wine press. Wheat in a wine press do not belong together. If you want the best way, the most effective way to thresh wheat was to have a large open space to take wheat, to throw it up in the air, and then the wind would blow the chaff away, and then you'd be left with the stalks, and then you would have oxen pulling sledges over top of the stalks to grind it down. That was how you would thresh wheat. You needed a large open space. But what we find here is that Gideon is threshing wheat in a small enclosed space. A wine press is small, and it's enclosed. He's not able to do the job effectively. And the reason he's doing this, the reason the writer highlights this, is the writer just doesn't want to say Gideon was afraid. He wants us to visually see how afraid Gideon was. Now watch this. As he is afraid, the Lord shows up and speaks this to him. Verse number 12 says, The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of what? Valor. Valor. What if I was to say to you today, come on, look me in the eye this morning, lean in. What if I was to say to you today that the God of the universe is looking in your eyes today and saying, you're a champion. You're a champion, Rachel. Come on, you're a champion, Charles. You're a champion, Jamie. What would you think? If the God of the universe was to look at you and say, Rob, you're a champion. Could you receive it? Look, Gideon can't receive it. I love this. He, I, think, I think this is how he sounds. Look at verse number 15. He says, please. <laughs> I think it's that two-syllable, that two please. Please. Please, Lord. Please, Lord. How can I save Israel? Behold, my clan's the weakest in Manasseh. I'm the least in my father's house. So look at this. Manasseh is the smallest of the tribes. And he says, if you take that tribe and you look at all the clans, my clan is the weakest of all those clans. And then if you look within my clan and you find my house, I'm actually the least in my house. What others have said about me and believed about me and what I believe about myself is that in all of this nation, I am the least. That's what Gideon believes about himself. And you know what's funny? If you read on in the story, it's actually pretty true. I mean, dude is weak sauce, right? Like this is what we go... God tells Gideon, go tear down an altar. Gideon does it at night because he doesn't want anyone to know that he did it, so he gets in trouble. If you keep following on in the story, Gideon eventually loops back to God and says to God, hey, if you want me to go and take on the enemies of Israel, I need you to do several miracles before I'll believe that you asked me to do it. God obliges and gives him several miracles, which means when Gideon went out to lead the army into battle, he wasn't doing so because he had valor in his own heart. He was doing it because God had done a miracle, and Gideon's saying, well, if you just did a miracle, then I believe I'm going to be safe. So even still, what we understand is the heart of valor that was in Gideon was not his own. It was something God produced in him. So when God is saying to him, you're a mighty man of valor. This is how, if I was God, this is how I would show up on the scene. I would show up to Gideon and I would say, listen up, weak man. You're a weak sauce. And uh, I don't, you know, you're not very strong. But here's the deal. I'm strong and I'm going to do some miracles, which lets you know that I'm with you. And then you're going to do something great for me. 
Isn't it amazing that that's not what God instructed the angel to say? In fact, what God, this is so cool, what God said about Gideon was not true in his present, it was only true in his future. God sends an angel to go and talk to Gideon and tell him, not, not God, does, God doesn't even say, listen, I am going to give you this heart of valor. He says, this heart of valor, man, it's, it's already inside of you. You're living down here, but I've called you to live up here. And eventually you're going to get there. I believe this is the heart of God towards us. And we see it all throughout the scripture. In fact, you fast forward into the New Testament in, in, the, in the book of Ephesians. It's a letter the Apostle Paul writes to a church in a city called Ephesus. And this is the posture I think he's taking as he writes these words. It's like, come on, Christians. Come on, believers. Come on, watch this. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for, say these last three words with me, building others up. That's what your words ought to do. Build other people up. I'm going to talk about you like you're here, even though you're presently living like you're here. And it's going to eventually orient your thinking in this direction of up. This is not speaking fluff over people, stuff that you don't believe over people. This is our responsibility as a church. Come on, Resonate Church. We actually speak things about people that are not possible unless God shows up. We're not saying these things about people and saying, hey, you're a champion, and we're just like hoping they eventually become a champion. We're saying you're a champion because we've seen what God has done in our lives, so we believe if I talk about you here, as understand, you can't just get there on your own, but we be I believe something about you that if God shows up is absolutely true. You're a champion. Come on, we got to call the champion out in the people around us in our church. Come on, we got to call the champion out in our families. I, we, oh my goodness, I'm getting, I'm getting preached this morning. Avia and I, and Lindsay as well, she's not as strong on the language yet, so, so some of this she, she doesn't quite get yet, but Avia and I, we've developed this, this morning routine. When she wakes up, she's really groggy, like she just comes stumbling out of her room, and she doesn't know where she is, and she's just kind of trying to find her way around, and, and I've been up for a couple hours, and so I'm ready to go. I'll just go over to her and I'll just be like, Avia, you're my daughter and I love you. And she's like, mm -hmm. and I'll just keep going. I'll just be like, you're a leader and you see the best in other people. Come on, you've got a bright future. And she's just four years old. So she's like, daddy, can I just watch a show, please? Why am I? This is not just name it and claim it identity. Listen, I'm not going to go up to Avia and say, Avia, you're a great singer if she can't sing. That's terrible parenting. That is a recipe for your kid getting onto week number one of American Idol. So I'm not going to go and talk to her about some gift that she may or may not have. I'm going to speak to her identity. I'm going to say, honey, you're my babe. You're my girl. You're my girl. You need to know. First thing, you're mine. You're mine. You belong. You're mine. You're my daughter. And I love you. I love you. I'm affectionate towards you. And I'm going to tell you, before you do, before you even shake, the, before you even get the stuff out of your eyes, before you brush your teeth, before you eat your Cheerios, before you watch Paw Patrol, I want you to know before you do anything today that I'm pleased with you. My affirmation. And, and you know, I started speaking this over Avia, and it, granted, is a little bit intense. I, it's, it's, a hard, you know, it's a bit intense to the morning. And, and Boo, she's like, I don't even understand what you're saying, Dad. You're just looking scary. Like, just slow, slow it down. Here's why I started doing this back in February. I began to see 
what God the Father spoke over Jesus in Scripture. <clears throat> Understand, the Bible lets us know that Jesus was talking to the Father every day, in practice, like all day. And if Jesus and the Father had only spoke once a day for, for, for the years that Jesus spent on the earth, we're talking about over 10,000 conversations that they would have had, and it would have been way more than that. And the Bible only records two times. And to even heighten the importance of these words, listen, if it's only like, if we only get two of tens of thousands, we're going to say that's pretty important, right? <clears throat> Very important. Here's the, here's the thing. It's the exact same words both times. And this is, what the, this is what the Father speaks over Jesus the Son. The first is in Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. It's at the baptism of Jesus. Jesus comes up out of the water, and then a voice is heard from heaven. It says, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Now, what's amazing to me about this is this is at the beginning of the ministry of Jesus. Jesus hasn't yet healed a person. He hasn't yet mended a broken heart. He hasn't yet gone to the cross for sins. He hasn't done anything for anybody. And yet the Father is saying, I want you to know before you do anything, I'm pleased with you. Jesus, the Father is breaking off for us this mindset that we only get to God by what we do. Come on, we, we talk about this every single week. The reason we lean in, the reason, the reason Rachel was like, come on, church, let's worship today. The reason we worship loud is because we serve a God who is worthy because we did for, before we did anything for him, he gave it all for us. Our faith is not in our faith. Our faith is in the God who did everything for us. And understand, before we do anything, before you do anything for God, by faith in Jesus Christ, you can hear the voice of the Father saying, you're my son, you're my daughter. Listen to this. Father speaks the exact same things over, over Jesus in Matthew chapter 17, verse 5. This is at the transfiguration of Jesus. And so this is before he goes to the cross. This is the, the earthly glorification of Jesus where his face and his clothes shine white. He's in front of three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, and then a voice from heaven is heard. It's the Father again saying the exact same things. This is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. Look at this. There's three important things that we need to see from this that the Father is modeling for us, how we ought to talk to our family and how we ought to talk to one another. The Father is laying out for us a roadmap for the way we speak to one another. And these are the important things that the Father wants us to see that we speak. Number one, you're my son. You're my daughter. It's identity. It's your identity. You're my son. You're my daughter. The second thing is affection. I love you. You're my beloved son. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. You're my beloved son. And the third thing is affirmation. I'm pleased with you. I'm so pleased with you. And it's not pleasure on the basis, again, of what we've done. It's our faith in who Jesus is. So, if we're called to speak this way, if we're called to call the champion out in other people, come on. If we're called to raise up other people and build them up, though they're living down here, starting to speak to them like they're living up here, well, then what's the problem? Why don't we do this more often? I think there's a number of reasons. You ready? Three reasons why we don't do this more often. And the first is we haven't had this modeled to us, right? Like we just, we grew up in homes where it was maybe hard to say those things and we felt like, I just can't do it. So let me just, let me just visualize this for you. Let's see who's in the room. I grabbed Andrew and our, and our team rally this morning, um, but uh, Brad Doff, jump up here, buddy. I need you. He, Brad's taking notes, so I'm going to pick on him right here. Come on. Can we cheer for Brad? 
No, like, come on, he's got a longer walk. Don't leave him hanging. <laughs> How you doing, man? Awesome. <laughs> I love you, man. I'm so thankful that we get to do life together. I see the hand of God on your life. In fact, when I do life with you, we're going camping this to, like from now till Wednesday with these guys. So we're going to be hugging around the campfire. So <laughs> when I do life with you and I look, I look in, honestly, I look in your eyes, I see Jesus. You're a champion. You're a great dad. I love that I get to do life beside you. And, and I actually believe that your influence in the kingdom is just scratching the surface. Your leadership is going to continue to grow. God's going to use the gift that's on your life. I love you, man. Come on, let's hug it out. Come on, give it up for Brad one more time. Now, granted that was a little bit awkward, uh, and I'm okay with that. You know why it was awkward? We just don't do it that much. So here's a great reason to get on the dream team around here. We, we raise up leaders to model this for you. You never had this model for you? Just get on the team. Let someone call out the champion in you. Let it be awkward. That's great. Come on, get on the team. And as Troy said, this is week number one of our next step. So it's a great week to just dive on in. Come on, discover your purpose. Begin to make a difference. You say, my life's a disaster. How could I be a champion? I don't even want someone to tell me I'm a champion. You know what? If your life's a disaster, but you're on a championship team, you're still a champion. And we're part of a championship team called the local church where week in, week out, people's lives get changed. People get touched and healed and set free. Come on, people come into this room far from God and discover a God who loves them, sent his son to die for them. They walk out the back door believing that their life has wholly changed and they can not only receive the love of God, but they can go out and begin to make a difference in the world. Come on, you're a part of a championship team. If your life's a disaster, get on a championship team and become a champion. Come on, we're called to call out the champion and other people. Here's the second reason I think we're not very good at doing this. I think sometimes we can have a scarcity mentality. A scarcity mentality is like, well, if I call out the champion in Brad, what if Brad goes on to do better? Like, if I just keep elevating and elevating and elevating people, like Pastor Troy is our executive pastor. And as hard as it is for me to believe this, it means really that his life is in a season of serving mine. But you know what else it means? It means that my life is to elevate his life. And when I look at Pastor Choi's life, I see, I see the lid is very high. In fact, let me be honest with you, it might be higher than mine. And I don't care. I don't. Because I'm going to keep elevating him as high as I possibly can. I'm going to keep raising my lid so I can keep elevating his. And in the end, it doesn't matter to me whether Troy ends up doing way more for the kingdom of God than I could ever do. Here's why. When you elevate people, it's all about elevating one person, the Lord Jesus Christ. So if I elevate you above me and Jesus gets glorified, and you know what be, how that becomes easy? how we're actually able to elevate people even above us because we heard the voice of the Father saying, hey, you're my son and I love you and before you do anything, I want you to know I'm pleased. You know what I was thinking before I got up here to preach this morning? I was just sitting there and I was trying to hear the voice of my Father speak to me and you know what I felt like God spoke to me? I felt like the Father spoke to me and said, hey, you know what, son? 
no matter how well you do preaching my word today, I'm going to love you the same when you get off that platform as you do right now. You are secure in me. You know, when you hear that kind of affirmation, you can just elevate people all day long because you understand you're already as high as it gets. The Father and the King of Kings, the champion of all champions, has called out the champion in you and just like, have at her, man. Let me build a platform for you. Second reason we don't do it is we have a scarcity mentality. There's so many, so many pieces of the pie, and I don't want to give mine away. Let's get over that. Okay, uh, the third reason <laughs> that we don't call out the champion in others, quite honestly, is that you just don't see the champion in yourself. And if you're always viewing your life through the lens of failure and weaknesses, I promise you, you do not take off that lens when you start to look at the world around you. You're still looking at other people now through the lens of their failures and their weaknesses. But when you're looking at your life through the lens of the cross, when you're looking at your life through the lens of the champion of all champions calling out and affirming the champion inside of you so that you can live different, act different, speak different, that lens is what's on your eyes when you go and look at other people. And it becomes so much easier to call out the champion of other people because you know there's a champion inside of you. Church, this is, not, this is not about us being able to walk out of here and think that we're something that we're not. This is about the champion of champions that is inside of you. Come on, we are all Gideon. We are all Gideon. We are all wussing out unless God shows up and shows us he is on our side. But he has shown up. And he said, I am with you and I am for you. And so we are calling out the champions in this house today. Can somebody say amen? The reason David took a sling and walked up to a giant, because somewhere along the way, he was pretty confident God had made him a champion. I don't want to be afraid to take on giants because of my own false humility that says, you know what, it's better for me to think I'm small. No, I want to look at giants and say, hey, bro. I'm a champion. Let's do this. I'm tiny and fast. You can't get me. I'll wear you down. That's, my, that's how I would do it. <laughs> We've been called by God to call out the champion in one another. To speak different. To live different. To talk different to think different so that we can impact this city. Come on, somebody. Can we do that together? In Jesus' name. God, we thank you, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God. We thank you, God, that we can leave this place different than we came in, not by our own strength, not by our own power, but by the power of the Holy Spirit in us. And so, God, right now, I pray, Holy Spirit, would you amplify the voice of the Father speaking to us today? You're a champion. You're a son. You're a daughter. God, come on, would you amplify that by the power of your Holy Spirit? And God, when we say please, please, God, that's not who I am, God. Would you continue, God, in your grace to call us out of the place we are today to the place you've called us to be? What you're saying about us today is not true in our present, but it is true in our future, God. May we lean into that. May we hear you calling us son or daughter. For some of you here today, you've never heard God say you're a son or you're a daughter because you've never made a decision to surrender your life to God through believing faith in Jesus Christ, to become a Christian. 
to say, I believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again so that my life could be forgiven and free. And if that's you in the room today, every week we make an opportunity for people to make that decision because we believe as a church that we are called to lead people into that decision. And so if you're here today and you say, you know what, I'm far from God. I don't know that if I died today, I would step into eternity because my sins are forgiven by faith in who Jesus is. I wanna give you an opportunity in a moment to pray a simple prayer of receiving faith because you are not saved by what you do, but by what Jesus did for you and by believing faith in who he is. And so if that's you today, you'd say, before you close the service, pray with me. Today, that's my decision. I'm coming to God through believing faith in Jesus Christ. Today, I'm making a decision to become a Christian, either brand new or I'm rededicating my life because I'm so far from God today. Would you just slip up your hand long enough for me to see it? No one else is looking around. Just, just between you and God today. Yeah, yeah. Is there anyone else you'd say, come on, yeah, that's me. Today's my day, believing faith in Jesus. I'm gonna receive his forgiveness. I'm coming to God today in faith. Whether you raised your hand this morning or maybe you, you didn't, but you, you know you need to make that decision today. Would you pray this with me? And come on church, let's help those who are praying this today. Say this with me, say, dear Jesus, I surrender my life to you. My whole heart, all that I am, I choose to follow you and I receive your forgiveness and your love and your promise that by faith I'm a daughter of God I'm a son of God and I choose to follow you in Jesus name amen amen come on church like you've never done it before let's clap our hands for those who made that decision today It sounds good right now after what we just experienced, doesn't it? <laughs>